everyone. Welcome back to Need to Know, a podcast by Skillful. This is Luis Martinez Mode, your host. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I had with Dasha Sivkov, the VP of Product Marketing at Wealthsimple. In our chat, we spoke about her career to date, what product marketing is like, as well as the transition she's made from telecommunications to Shopify and most recently Wealthsimple. Take a listen. Give us a um, a rundown of, of who you are and what it is that you do, and um, we'll, we'll jump in from there. In high school, I was really into visual arts, so I really wanted to go to OCAD, which is Ontario College of Art and Design, and my pragmatic Eastern European parents were like, no, you will go to business school. <laughs> um, and, you know, a, a decade and a bit later, in hindsight, I'm very thankful for their push, but um, in university, didn't feel that way. Um, I went to Ivy uh, Western, finished business school. I went to an industry job right after that to tell us into a leadership development program, spent um, several years in a bunch of different roles in marketing, product management, business development, strategic alliance management. Um, and about at a five, at the five-year mark at TELUS, um, great company, but I started to get the itch and a lot of folks started to migrate from TELUS to Shopify. And I was just at some social events and I kept on hearing these amazing things um, about Shopify. Uh, everything uh, from as small as the snack wall, that was such a foreign concept to me being an industry job. What? You get fed, you have a snack wall um, to the actual work that um, the team did and how they operated in a, you know, in an e-commerce SaaS tech business. I got intrigued. So I started interviewing. That interview process lasted about five months. So um, my tenacity was high. I almost didn't make the cut, um, but eventually they decided to take a bet on me. Um, I joined Shopify as their uh, as a product growth manager. Very quickly, I became Shopify's first ever product marketing manager, which was a very interesting experience. Definitely learned a ton. A lot of product marketers do a lot of what product marketers shouldn't do. Um, so a lot of lessons learned firsthand, very thankful for that experience. I grew the product marketing team from one to 15 overall. I had a team of five and then we had a new CMO come in and he was looking for kind of a right-hand person similar to a chief of staff business operations um, role. So we, we kind of vibed really well, thought about similar things, worried about similar things and very similar communication styles. So I took on that position and was able to really operate at a high level um, with him and learned a ton um, how to take a rapidly growing tech company from having a growth marketing team to having a full stack marketing organization of over 200 people. Um, And then I went back to product marketing for about a year in the financial solution space. And again, five years in, only positive things to say about Shopify. It was an amazing experience, but I started to get itch. And a similar migration started to happen um, from Shopify to Wealthsimple. A lot of great folks from Shopify started to move over to Wealthsimple. So I was talking to a lot of them um, and the opportunity seemed really intriguing. And primarily the way I choose my place of work is the people. Like I, I think marketing is a pretty generalist craft. So I don't really care exactly about what I do. I really care who the people are that I work with. So that intrigued me. Uh, also, what I learned at Shopify was the importance of being, one, in tech. I knew I wanted to stay in tech, but two, being in a Canadian-based tech company. The fact that decisions are made where you are, strategy set where you are, you're not just a satellite office was super important to me. And the chief of staff role for uh, Mike, our CEO, uh, that position opened up, which I found very intriguing because usually chief of staff roles are uh, internal fills. 
And so I applied for that role. That that process, interview process, followed similar uh, ways of Shopify, where I interviewed with Wallsimple for almost five months. Eventually, I did get the job. So I moved over to Wallsimple, where I acted as Mike's chief of staff for about nine months. And then the opportunity to go back to product marketing and lead product marketing at Wallsimple um, presented itself, and I just couldn't refuse. Uh, and I've been doing this role for just shy of two months. What a what a story! Sounds like a few things, right? Um, one, you like to, to spend a lot of time interviewing. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you hated it. And then two, it sounds like you've got really good friends. So I'm sure that that reflects very well on you as well. I'd love to jump in on several points in there, but the first one I have for you is, is you know, you delved a little bit into, into how you choose roles in companies, uh, choosing it according to the people that are there and the people that um, you want to work with. Can you talk me through the parameters you think uh, you think through when when deciding on what are the people that that you want to be surrounded by? Yeah, so I actually have a bit of like a heuristic or a guiding principle that I follow um, for the you know the next role that I choose or the next company I go to, which is I love being the least smart person in the room, and that you know sounds a bit off putting at first. I think when you say it, but um, the reality is, is like, that's how I can grow the most. Um, that's how I can learn the most. And then, I, then I can contribute back to the company the most. Um, and so, uh, I love being surrounded by people that are smarter than me, that have different experiences than me, that have worked in different industries and companies than me that have different opinions. Um, so intelligence of course is critical. Um, the other thing that's really important for myself and I, really value in others is in being intrinsically motivated. Like I have a really strong belief. Um, you know, you spend most of your waking time, um, at work, you better love what you do, or you better like what you do at least on most days. Um, so intrinsic motivation is super critical, uh, for myself. And I love working with people who are intrinsically motivated as well. And finally, I would say the last thing is a maker owner mentality, which definitely was super present both at Shopify and Wealth Simple, which is like if you go to the, you know, the highest leadership levels, um, uh, you know, Wealth Simple, uh, it's run by three co-founders. They all have maker owner mentality. They operate at the highest level of altitude in terms of setting the strategy and company direction and vision. And then they all love their craft and they love what to do whether it's our chief marketing officer on the marketing and brand side, our chief product officer in product, or Mike, the CEO, they have such a knack for their specific areas of the business. And they can go from be operating at a very high level to going very deep and actually executing as an IC in certain moments when it's required or when they want to lead by example. Um, and that mentality is really important to me. Uh, that's phenomenal. I guess, how do you, how do you go about figuring that out from the outside? Right? Because I don't know. What you just said sounds ideal. And so I'm just, I suspect that if someone's a good recruiter, they're probably saying that's how they behave. But how do you know whether that's really the case? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. So I think like social proof, just like, you know, when you market products or services, social proof is important in terms of like testimonials or reading um, online forums, uh, reviews. Uh, social proof is also very important when choosing your next employer. And I did that, I, I guess, kind of subconsciously, both for Shopify and Wealth Simple, where I see strong talent migrate. Um, I pay attention to that. Um, I have conversation. I ask why. I, it's also really important to me, right? Um, to make sure that the people that you talk to that do move jobs aren't running away from a thing, but are running to something they're super excited about. So they're moving for the right reasons. The other thing was, it's like a little bit odd, but 
I do, and I watch a lot of videos about companies that I go to before I go to them. So I'll give you two concrete examples. I remember when I was um, exploring Shopify, there was an IPO video that was created by the executive team um, that had Toby talking about his vision and his dream for like 25 minutes. And I kid you not, I think I watched that video probably five times because I just was like so bought in drinking the Kool-Aid before I even joined. Um, and then very similar for well, simple, especially being in product marketing on the financial solution side at Shopify. We obviously scoped out direct and indirect competitors all the time. And while simple um, commercials um, and product videos were just done so well. And then just watching, you know, speeches, whether it's by Mike or uh, podcasts uh, by other co-founders or other members of the executive team, important parts of the decision-making process. Yeah, it makes, makes a ton of sense. I, uh, you know, I work at DoorDash and I, I love our IPO video too. It's a, you know, it's a great, it's a great window into the company. I was already at the company when, when the video was released, but um, what I can say is if there's videos out there, go watch them. I can tell that to the audience. That's great, Dasha. I guess. It sounds like great people keeping an eye out for for smart talent migrating are through lines of your of your career. Are there any others that you've identified or you like to think through when looking back and uh, facing forward to you know what will be the rest of your career? Yeah, I think the other um, the other element that I really lucked out with uh, both Shopify and Wealth Simple is the mission. Like, how aligned are you to the mission? And really, how aligned are you to the mission versus just being like, oh, it's a nice statement. For Shopify, uh, my dad is an entrepreneur. So um, the mission of making commerce better for everyone really hit home. I've been through up downs in my household um, of a family of an entrepreneur. So that really resonated with me and spoke to me. Like I saw the struggle, I saw the suffering, I saw the thrills. Um, so it was pretty cool to, to experience that at work as well on a much different scale, obviously, for Shopify. Um, and then for Wealth Simple, um, similarly, I was a client of Wealthsimple from 2016 or 2017, so pretty early on. So I was a, I was a user of the product and I believed in it. And the, I mean, the mission is really hard not to resonate with, which is financial freedom for everyone um, and accessibility to financial tools that are usually reserved for the uber rich or the uber intelligent or people that are in finance. Um, that accessibility narrative has also been a, a pretty big through line, both Wealthsimple and Shopify. So that's something I look, uh, look for. The Canadian angle is super important to me. I just find Canadians are amazing, uh, amazing to work with. And then the last thing I'll say is like the product. Are you like when you go on the products website or when you download the products app, whether you could actually be a consumer of it or if you're just testing it out, does it speak to you or does it bore you and you can't get through the onboarding screens? Um, that's pretty important to me as a marketer as well. I want to be really excited about the product that I'm responsible for marketing and growing and building the story of. That makes a lot of sense, Dasha. It sounds like these are all things. It, it, what I'm hearing is keep a close eye on what it is that your job's going to be at this company, right? Like, I don't know if you were someone who's maybe an engineer or a product manager, then maybe you're looking for something that has a lot of traction with users, despite it being a pretty god awful product. But as a marketer, it's all about is there is there something here to to get out into the world in a better way? Is, is am I am I thinking about that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good um, way of articulating it. Well, there you go. Um, okay, so I, I, what I want to pivot into now, Dasha, is uh, I will fess up. I know very little about product marketing, and I um, I took the very easy route of deciding not to look things up because I want to act as a as an avatar for the audience. 
what can you tell me about product marketing? What's what's in the job description? Um, and mo- most importantly, what do you think is something that that most people don't know about it, even if they have a you know a passing understanding of it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know you're right to ask what it is. It's a pretty nebulous discipline, especially when you look at tech, right? The way tech um, marketing departments are usually built out, and for very good. Tact, uh, tangible reason is you start with your marketing activation channels. You you need paid marketing team. You need a lifecycle marketing team to actually. Um, you need a creative team to actually develop the ads to get the ads out in front of millions of eyeballs to send the emails, send the in-app notifications. Um, and a lot of that work can be done by marketing activation channels because they have a decent sense, especially when the uh, the customer base and the product is more simple of what the client pain points are and what the problem. Um, that we're solving for the clients are and what the messaging is and what the value prop is. Um, And then usually when uh, companies, tech companies get to a certain size, there's a lot of dots to connect. There's a lot of prioritization that needs to get done, whether it's from a messaging perspective or what products we want to invest money in from a marketing perspective, where you have this function um, that starts... um, you start to see a need for, which is product marketing. And the way I define product marketing at the core is being a hinge between the marketing organization and all the marketing activation channels that I just mentioned and the product org. Um, And a really healthy product marketing team can, uh, one, work really well with the product organization and can actually be a thought and leader partner with the product organization. So solid um, senior product marketers sit at the table with the product uh, R&D uh, trifecta, they develop a roadmap, they talk about the client pain points that need to be solved, they talk about the sequencing of what that roadmap looks like and what the rollout is, and they have strong points of view of what we should build and what we shouldn't build and in what order we should build it in. And then once that roadmap is developed, um, it's the product marketer's job to develop the value proposition uh, for the product. What's the value or what's the pain point that the product is solving? What's the job to be done? What is the job to be done that the client is hiring the product to do. And then you develop your messaging and positioning around um, that product. You develop reasons to believe um, tangible proof points and facts and research to actually um, back up the value of your product. And then once that is um, developed, you, and I mean, in tandem or before, you're also assessing a huge portion of product marketing is you're assessing the competitive landscape and environment and developing a point of view on how does your product actually differentiate against a competitor set. And sometimes competitors can be like very direct, right? Other companies that offer similar services or products. Other times it can actually be very indirect. So in the case of Simple, for example, when you look at a product like trade or crypto, not only are we potentially competing with other trade and crypto uh, brokers or platforms, but you're also competing with people saving their money in a savings account or people spending their money on trips or whatever it might be. Um, so once a product marketer has a good grasp of what their competitive set is and they have uh, their value prop uh, positioning and messaging figured out, then they start to develop a overall holistic go-to-market plan and brief um, to educate the marketing channel and activation teams on uh, how we take the product to market um, and from there, you set growth targets, KPIs, all that good stuff to figure out um, the actual impact of your work. So I'd say in a nutshell, that is what product marketing um, is responsible for. Um, on the softer side of things, um, product marketing is all about influence without authority. Product marketers can actually do nothing on their own. They are very reliant on 
the product team and collaborating with the product team on the product build, of course, and then with the marketing activation channels on getting the product out there um, into our clients' hands. Um, so influence without authority is huge. Building up connective tissue with the product org and the marketing org is huge. And that's how I would summarize what product marketing does. Sounds pretty vital. And um you know, maybe my, my coworkers that are product marketers are going to listen to this and get upset at me because I, I, I do know what they do, but I'm, I'm glad I now have a working definition of it. And also they're stellar. So um, I'm sure they'll, maybe they'll be less angry when they hear that. So Dasha, what's something we like to do on this podcast is get really tactical and, and get down into the details because there's not a lot of podcasts out there that do that right? If it's okay with you, I'd love to, you know, hearken back to your days as an individual contributor. Is there, you know, one, um, one project that comes to mind that's maybe might be the textbook product marketing, uh, project that, that you could, you could walk us through. And so that people can get a better understanding of what this function is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many examples to speak to. Maybe I I'll, I'll thread through a couple of different examples and the specific lessons learned, um, from those campaigns. So, uh, when I was at Shopify, we were running our first ever product marketing campaign because the discipline was new. Um, it was for black Friday, cyber Monday, which for our, for Shopify merchants is of course the, one of the busiest uh, periods of time in which they make the vast majority, not the vast majority, but a huge chunk of their sales. And so all of our product teams are very busy throughout the first half of the year to try and ship as much of the functionality as possible so that we set up our merchants for success in order to start their businesses, to market, um, their, uh, products, uh, to ship their products um, and to provide the best holistic experience for uh, their buyers. And so we were responsible for developing integrated uh, product marketing campaign that talked about everything that we had shipped throughout the first half of the year um, and the second half of the year uh, in the September timeframe. And, and this, is for, this is for merchants as the customer, right? That's right. This is for merchants as the customer. Um, and it's, you know, at first glance, it might look like a B2B. Uh, Shopify is actually predominantly like a B2B to C or a B2C because a lot of our merchants are, you know, this is like their side hustle. Um, so they are looking for um, very accessible communication and they really um, consume a lot of marketing and educational material more as consumers than as like large enterprises and companies. Um but really what we were trying to do, we were we got so excited about all of these products that um, our R&D org was shipping and we wanted to talk to all of them that we ended up shipping a campaign that talked about 25 different features and products. Um, and we did bucketize them into like jobs to be done, right? So here's how you set up your store. Here's how you market your products in your store. Here's how you handle the logistics of your store. Um, and we used all of the different channels that we um, we knew would speak to the merchants in, in the right place at the right moment. Um, everything from top of funnel, like paid ads to... Um, to social to, of course, one-on-one -on -one channels, um, including uh, email and app notifications. Um, and the biggest lesson learned from that campaign was um, don't do too much all at once because you get um, attention gets really distributed and you get a, you might cover way more ground, but adoption for each feature or each job to be done is way lower when you're trying to cover three or four jobs to be done simultaneously. 
And so the biggest lesson learned and takeaway from that campaign was that in future Black Friday, Cyber Monday campaigns, we actually staggered um, the release, the marketing releases out way earlier on in the year. We started in July instead of starting out in September or October, and we got way more targeted with specific uh, merchants that had different needs for our different releases and products. And needless to say, we didn't have any more integrated marketing campaigns that talked to 25 different features um, in 25 different emails. Uh, it was much more um, segmented, uh, much more based on uh, propensity of certain merchants uh, likelihood to adopt certain features. And we got more granular on the channels that we used. And then holistically, we did have a blanket overarching Black Friday, Cyber Monday campaign that just talked about us supporting the merchants and leading them to very specific paths, whether it was in content marketing or in social, if they had a specific use case that they needed to have addressed uh, with our functionality, would probably be the biggest um, campaign that I'm in the biggest lesson learned. That makes that makes so much sense, Dasha. And it, you know, when when everything's a priority, nothing's a priority, right? Uh, we all know that one. Um, what I'm hearing from you is that it sounds like to me, product marketing is is a highly strategic. Um, is a highly strategic function that has to, more often than not, uh, you know, spend all all your time uh, in the shoes of the customer, and and thinking through thinking through how they're going to consume what it is that you're putting out there. Um, but obviously, there's the internal side of it too, right? Where uh, you have to, like you said, identify the right uh, competitive set, as well as you know, bring along all the cross-functional partners that you work with. Um, on that latter piece with the cross-functional partners, um, who would you say you, you you've spent the most time working with uh, throughout your throughout your career in product marketing? Yeah, I think in order for a product marketer to set themselves up for uh, for success um, and to set up the product growth uh, and the client up for success, the product marketer has to uh, prioritize the relationship with the product, uh, the PM. So the PM is very much, you know, seen in a lot of companies as a CEO, CEO of their specific product or their specific feature, and a strong product marketer needs to be the CMO, um, and they really need to be. Um, attached at the hip. And the earlier on, the better, because like you mentioned, uh, product marketers are responsible for being the voice of the client, surfacing what the pain points are, um, what problems we need to solve for them and how we talk to those problems. Um, so that's definitely the most critical um, relationship to develop at the beginning. And I think it's also the one that probably has the most opportunity, right? Just because product product managers are so busy and they have so much going on and they're usually further away from marketing. There's more of heavy lifting work that you need to do to explain um, the discipline of product marketing and the value it has to offer. Whereas um, the tendency that I found is when marketing activation channels start to work with product marketing, just like super thankful and hungry for it. They realize the value and they realize that it's usually missing um, before it's formulated. Uh, so I would definitely lean into uh, developing stronger partnership with product um, because that is also what sets you up for success with your marketing activation channels is when you become the subject matter expert on the product. That makes so much, so much sense, Dasha. And if I've said that like 17 times now, because every, I'm learning so much, uh, I guess, Continuing on this, uh, this point of getting down to tactical things, it sounds like there's a lot of trust building required in this, in this function, right? You mentioned um, um, a couple of different ones there. Maybe let's talk about the one with product. Have you, have you found, uh, 
heuristics or, or, or quick wins that people can have in order to, to build trust as they're coming onto, onto a team with product manager, or with other people you have to influence cross-functionally. And I think this is something the audience will want to hear, whether they're in product marketing, aspiring to go into product marketing, or really if they work cross-functionally at all. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple things come to mind. Uh, the first is, and I mean, this is true for any marketer, but um, it's about knowing your audience. And so what I mean when I say knowing your audience is when you start to form and develop a relationship with a, a product person, whether it's a product manager, your product VP, whatever it might be, um, every person in every role has their strengths and their opportunity areas and things they want to focus on and things they don't want to focus on. So as a product marketer coming in, trying to prove value, uh, what I try to do is assess very quickly, where does the PM, the product manager want to focus on? What are their strengths and what are their gaps? And I focus on the gaps. So I focus on figuring out and um, addressing the things that the product market product manager usually doesn't want to do. So I'll give you an example, one that happens pretty often, just because a PM usually doesn't have enough hours in the day to do everything is the competitive intelligence and competitive analysis and insights, right? They want to know what's going on with every competitor, but they just can't monitor 20 competitors or synthesize what each competitor promo or incentive offer is. So being able to step in and be the right-hand person uh, for a product manager in the areas where uh, they just don't have the time to spend on is one way I like to build credibility um, to help them develop a more holistic point of view on the product that they're building. Um, another um, element that uh, comes to mind is, you know, I look at product marketing as a spectrum. And let's say on one end of the spectrum, product marketing, um, and this is the undesirable end of the spectrum, if you spend all of your time there, product marketing is just an execution arm, right? Um, has 20 different features they need to release in a quarter product marketer just write me the uh, email write the social copy and let's move on to the next thing that we want to release of course we have to do releases of course we have to go to market and we have to do tactical execution but that's not the place you want to be all the time um but it's a place that's important to uh, build muscle in and develop and actually ship. So you're showing the PM the value, the tangible value that you're bringing and highlighting the product, talking about it and growing it. And so I think actually just getting stuff done and executing proves to the PM that you're able to do the work. And then they let you in more and more into their inner circle. Like, okay, well, if you can help me ship the thing and grow the thing, then maybe you can help me strategize on the thing before you ship thing. Um, so I also like to build up credibility by actually executing and getting some work done and then earning my, you know, my stripes on actually being able to become a strategic thought partner on product development for future product uh, iterations. I love that surgical approach. It's almost art of war. Know thy enemy. Uh, <laughs> in this that's case, right, know, yeah. thy, know thy friend. Uh, that's, that's phenomenal. I guess, Dasha, we spend most of our time because of the questions I've asked you um, on the role of, a, of an individual contributor and what a product marketer down in the trenches is doing. And I'd love to continue along the, the path you've had in your career. Can you talk me through uh, what it was like becoming, becoming a leader for the first time? It sounds from your intro that that was, that was a Shopify, helping to build out this function. What was that like to go from being a product manager to a manager of product managers? Sorry, uh, uh, product marketing managers, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, no, all good. So actually, I, I just didn't uh, um, touch on it, but I did become a people leader um, at TELUS before I had left. 
Um, so I had a team of three that I was, you know, quickly going to grow to five. I was um, a regional uh, marketing manager for a strategic initiative uh, on the tele side. But, and the reason I mention it is because it's important to my point, which is like, um, I never, ever, ever aspired to be a people manager. I think a lot of folks believe that like, that is, you know, the traditional progression in your career is to manage a small team and then manage a bigger team and then manage a team of teams. I kind of going back to the intrinsic motivation piece and like being a doer. I love shipping. I, I love getting stuff done so much. And I like it, when I'm in roles where I don't have a lot of it, I just have shipping envy. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to get stuff done. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the first point is that like, I think it's important never to actively seek out management for management's sake and equate managing people with success, uh, because I don't think that's the point of managing people. Um, so for me, when I did, uh, when I was um, given the opportunity to manage at first at Telus and then at Shopify and now at Wealth Simple, um, it was more so because I mastered the domain of what I was working on and was intrinsically motivated and was relentless in my pursuit of the craft in the area. And it just made sense for me to start building out a team to be able to get more done. Um, so I really approach um, people management and leadership more through a lens of like, oh, okay, this is amazing. We just have more people to fulfill our objective versus, oh, let's build a team and let's build an empire. It also goes back to the heuristic that I talked about earlier, which is like being the least smart person in the room. One of my hiring principles when I hire folks is like, I like to hire people that I'm like, oh, holy smokes, like you're going to probably manage me one day. And that day is probably not going to be 10 years away. It's going to be six, 12, 18 months from now um, is really important to me. I have a strong growth mindset. I want to learn from the team that I manage. Um, and especially in tech with uh, pretty new disciplines like product marketing, right? There's no one subject matter expert or one person that knows it all, the discipline from uh, start to finish, because it's still relatively new. We're all figuring it out. And what happens um, when you're figuring out a net new discipline is you need a super smart, committed, hungry team to lead together. Just because you're not a people manager on my team does not mean you're a leader. I actually expect everyone to be a leader. They're just, uh, the team is just all leaders in different regards. I love that. I love that way of thinking first, not, not seeking management for management's sake, right? I'm sure that leads to, if that's what you're trying to do, you're probably not going to be a great manager. And then two, uh, making sure that, you know, it's not just leading from the front or from the back, it's leading, everyone needs to lead from everywhere, which is, it goes back to the ownership mentality you were talking about earlier with how you identify the people you want to work with. I, mm -hmm. I love to hear it. I think, uh, you know, Dasha, a lot of our audience and a lot of the people that, that come to Skillful are, are folks looking to make transitions and folks looking to, to go from what it is they're doing today to maybe getting to tech or, you know, to a specific function like product marketing. Um, you you tell you you just touched on uh, the people you look for when you're when you're hiring. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the usual template of a of a product marketer uh, looks like, both experienced product marketers as well as people that maybe you're you're helping transition to the into the discipline. Yeah, for sure. It's um I think I have a bit of a soft spot for this, right? Because I came from a non tech um, background. I came from five years at at, at an industry. Um, that's really a commodity business. We sold other uh, people's tech products. Um, and so I uh, am biased to keeping a very open mind. And I believe uh, great marketing can come from anywhere. And the high level skill set I'm looking for is like, are you smart enough? Are you opinionated? And do you have strong enough convictions 
Do you have a super strong growth mindset where you are just um, hungry to learn and uh, to level up? Um, of course, of course, it's easier if you've had tech background, uh, tech experience. Of course, it's easier if you've been in a marketing role in fintech. Um, but I, I really try to check myself and open up the pool as much as possible. And I really use myself as the as the example there. Um, it wasn't easy for me to break in, and I just want to make it a little bit easier for other folks to break in because if I can do it, it sounds cheesy, but if I can do it, anyone can do it. You just have to have the right mindset and the right drive. Um, the advice I would give to folks that do want to break into tech or do want to break into product marketing is like, again, going back to this point of knowing your audience, like put yourself into the shoes of the interviewer and actually think about what what headspace they occupy. Let's say it's a recruiter that's worked like look up the recruiter, see how long they've worked at the company that they've worked in for, um, understand what type of recruiting that they do, understand, of course, what the company values are, and tailor your story from a perspective of like, I know what you're going to be looking for, and let me justify to you why I'm the right fit. Let me also proactively think about all of the red flags that you might see within my profile and let me proactively alleviate any worries that you may have or address any sort of inconsistencies that you might think through, right? Because just like on the other end, as every company hires, like what does the hiring form look like, right? It's always like strengths and risks. So about your risks before you go into an interview and address those proactively. This would probably be my biggest advice. It's the product marketing approach to recruiting, it sounds like. Um, right. And so I guess it sounds to me like you see you see product marketing as a as a growing as a growing function is something that will continue to you know become more formalized uh, as, as things move forward is that part of what makes you excited to be in this discipline it's something like you mentioned earlier there's no there's no one way to define it it's you know it's just getting you you all are inventing it as as you go. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I think I've always been intrigued by things that are the opposite of keeping the lights on and the opposite of business as usual. Um, I uh, My mother always tells me from a very early age of like four, they could just not shut me up. I would always ask questions. I was curious about everything. Um, I needed to know more about everything. And so I think that I've taken that through with me into um, my adult life and my career. Um, it's very easy to be curious in a space that's not fully chartered or not yet fully defined. I think it also just gives you so much space as someone who is interested in being a maker owner to um, build and define the future for yourself. Like I love this concept of having an idea or a thought and actually then translating it and tangibly into reality. Like I'll give a super boring example, but I, I love this stuff. So like when you come into a new company and you're the first product marketer, you're building, building a product marketing team, you literally need to develop um, things like launch tiering frameworks, go-to-market plans, go-to-market briefs, insight briefs, um, the approach that you work with uh, teams and um, socialize that and get buy-in from the company. And I love being able to do that foundational work. So I think anyone interested in the foundational work, which actually also requires a ton of crossover with operations, um, you know, would bode well for uh, product marketing. 
But I don't know if I really answered your question. So feel free to clarify so I can provide a bit more color. No, I think the answer you gave me is better than, than answering the question I was looking for. So uh, we can we can move on from that one. I guess what, so you, you've talked about what to do when when you're trying to break in um, into into this, you know, burgeoning, burgeoning discipline. Are there major missteps you make people, you see people make over and over and over? Um, and if so, what are those? Yeah. People maybe, but also myself, I can talk to the missteps I've made. Um, as someone who is like uh, very proactive and definitely type A, I love to get into a place, whether it's a new me or a new role and be like, okay, what are the problems and how can I fix them? And how can I prove myself? And how can I show that value? And I did that um, at Shopify. And it was, a, it's, it was a pretty harsh lesson to learn and I'm very um, glad I learned it. And the lesson was, be a zero, not a one. And what that means is like, let's say impact is measured on a binary scale and zero, you're neutral and one is your positive impact. If you get to a place and you don't build up context and you don't build up relationships and you don't build up a deep understanding of what the business is trying to do and how it operates by trying to be a one too quickly, you actually become a negative one. You actually become disruptive to the workflow, to the environment, to the relationships you're building and the stuff you need to ship. So as much as, you know, a are probably eager and very um, motivated and driven um, to add value. I think it's incredibly important to be able to slow down, especially at the beginning and take those first 30, 60, 90 days to be like, wait, 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 stop. Like, what is going on here? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Someone walk me through the client journey. Someone walk me through financial model. Someone walk me through the revenue structure. Someone walk me through the prop of what we're doing, what the prioritization of our product is, whatever the questions might be. And like taking that time up front to deeply understand the context of the business, to empathize with client pain points, to empathize with internal pain points will then accelerate you to have um, positive impact on a much greater scale, quick, a quicker so kind of, you know, the go fast to go slow model, I, I just, it's, it's such common sense. I just think we often forget it um, when we're getting into a new place because of stress and pressure. And it's important to have conviction to say, no, give me a second, let me figure it out. And then don't worry all that value. So that was definitely a learning I had. Another one is kind of like a through line of what I've talked to is this concept of intrinsic motivation. And it's all about the destination, not the journey. Like we're all going to be working for what? 30, if we're lucky, 40, 50 years, um, it's a process. Like you have to enjoy the day in and day out. Um, you cannot um, get super tied to specific milestones. And it's interesting. One of the questions that, um, you know, we potentially talk to that I would like to uh, touch on is this. And I get it. Please, I get asked please. Uh, all the time, which is like, what is your career plan or what are your uh, ambitions for your career and how are you going to get there? And this is like such an unpopular answer, but I literally, and it's confusing, but it's true. I literally have no career ambitions. Like I've never planned out my career. I've never been strategic about my career, Um, but I've now been in the working force for 12 years. And like my strategy has proved to be successful for me. So I think at this point, I'm going to stick to it. And again, it goes back to that intrinsic motivation, um, relentless work ethic being smart enough, having strong conviction and opinions. And I think if you just focus uber hard on the thing that you're working on and you're motivated, 
to help the business overall, doors will open up for you. And of course, you need to build the right relationships and you need to make sure that you're not only doing things, but you're also telling people about the impact that you're having. Um, I just think it's like we we don't focus enough on that. I think, you know, the pursuit of the craft and the love of the craft is so important. Um, and it opened, it opened a lot of doors. I've never over overly rotated on my career. Maybe I'd be uh, way further ahead if I did, but that's my honest answer. Well, there you go. Uh, I think you're doing just fine, Dasha. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a reason I wanted to interview you today. Uh, so if I had to summarize what we've talked about today, I think there's four things that, that pop into my mind, Dasha. The first two go hand in hand. And it, this sounds like it's the way you approach work and it's the way you approach your career and, um, and maybe even your life, which is know your audience and know the landscape right? You know, you were kind of getting at this, but make haste slowly, right? That's what my grandmother used to say. She used to say it in Spanish, but it's the same, it's the same idea, right? Make sure you've got the right foundation before you build on top of it. The next thing is follow the people and the mission to make sure that you're putting yourself in the, in the right environments. And then um, the last one, and I love this one is enjoy the journey, right? And I think that's, I can speak for myself, but I'm sure a lot of the audience feels the same way. We can we can often just be so focused on the destination that we we forget the to st- stop and smell the roses. So those are my takeaways, and honestly, I, I'm leaving this conversation with a uh, you know with a renewed sense of of um, knowing what I need to do to 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 get to to where I want to go, and also at the same time not to overly focus on where that place exactly is. Yeah, that's a that's a better summary than I could have uh, than I could have put together. Yes, super well said. Well, Dasha, I, I want to thank you for your time, and you know it's been it's been wonderful catching up with you. I think what I'm hoping for the audience to take away from this, other than the summary we just went through, is what product marketing is, how exciting and, and new um, this is relative to you know the the legacy ways of of thinking about marketing and thinking about go to market. And um, I'm hopeful that coming out of this, you'll have plenty of, of job applications from, from people following the, the template you've laid out uh, sitting in your inbox. Yes, yes. Let's hope to that. I would, I would love that as an outcome. And it's been wonderful uh, to chat through the journey. And remember, the, remember some highlights and lessons learned. There you go. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you.